Good morning. Scripture reading will come from 2 Samuel, chapter 11, verse 1 through 12. 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 12. Can you please stand with me? Starting at verse 1. It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Jerobah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he laid with her, but she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, and said, I am with child. Amen. You may be seated. But it is a privilege and an honor to be able to be in relationship with God through his word as he communicates to us who he is, who we are, and who we can be in him. So we are so grateful for that. Um, as I stand before you this morning, I first want to begin by saying thank you to Pastor Smith and for the opportunity for to be able to stand before you, uh, I, I love to share the word of God. I love to share it because I believe it. Amen. I believe it because I know what it has done and what he has done for me. And I want to say thank you to him. But I also want to thank uh, Brother Edison, Brother Joel, who is our uh, Minister of Education, he has uh, given me the privilege to be able to teach in Sunday school and thank him for that. And I've always wanted to do this, and I intend to do this every time I stand up here. I just forget. And so uh, I wrote it down this time. <laughs> and so thank you to him and for the opportunity that has been afforded me there in Sunday school. And I, and, I, and I shared this with you before, and it is true for me. I don't know what's the most fun for me. Actual studying, getting in the word of God, hearing what he says, and then to stand up and say what he says. I enjoy both, and I get involved in both immensely and intensely, and so I am grateful for that. And also, um, as I come before you this morning, uh, my... I want to say to you, sisters, to be not dismayed. Uh, Pastor is aware that you would have us to quieten down over there next to you. And he has allowed us to be able to try to find some means of quieting things down between the two of us. And that is not to quiet me down, which I'm grateful for. Because I am loud. 
I am loud. But not only are I loud, I am also arrogant. <laughs> and this is my arrogance this morning that I stand before you and I say to you that I believe that everything God does in the world, he does because of me. I are that arrogance. And I'll give you a case in point. And being as loud and as arrogant as I am, the Lord would place me under the most gentle and quiet man that he could find in the earth, in John McNeil. I'm saying, Lord, come on now. That ain't me. And so evidently, I didn't get it for 20-some-odd years under him. So the Lord has now placed me under another gentle man. Now, he's not as quiet as pastor, but he is, his gentleness, I have really come to appreciate and admire. Because again, that are not me. So I'm still learning. So the Lord is allowing me to be able to, to learn under men because he wants me to grow and he wants me to be like him. Here's a further case of that arrogance. And looking at our text this morning in 2 Samuel chapter 11, most people, and, and it doesn't fail that I talk to male or female, saved or unsaved, black or white, big, little, small, teenagers, if they know anything, and most of them know about this story between David and Bathsheba. But you talk to them, and I do, and I ask them, and they will say to me, most men will say that Bathsheba seduced David. You talk to females. Most females will tell you that David raped Bathsheba. Now, personally, I don't know how that helps us in that argument, and, and, and I don't intend to try to solve that problem this morning for you, but I do intend to try to say to us what the Lord would have us to learn from this passage between these two image bearers of God, Bathsheba and David. But let's bow for a word of prayer as we trust the Lord to move forward. Dear Lord, I bow my heart before you. And I do thank you, Lord, for the men that you placed in my life, the godly men, the men who love you, the men who say, follow me as I follow Christ. I thank you for the fellow ministers here that you've allowed me to join in fellowship and ministry with, again, men who say, follow me as I follow Christ. 
So I bow my heart to you this morning as we all look this morning to follow you. And we ask you to show unto us from this passage the things of Christ. And then, Lord, help us to put feet to it and walk it through. In Jesus' name, amen. And let me also say, I was also, uh, and I didn't write this down, but I do want to say to, to Lydia, I don't think she's here, I don't know, but thanks for her too, because what she does with our PowerPoints on a week-to-week uh, basis. So it's a lot goes into this. So thank you to all of those who, who help us in ministry. But we're looking at this morning, and we've been looking at two passages, Two relationships between two different females, two different males, and two different relationships. That between David and Bathsheba and Joseph and Potiphar. This morning we're going to kind of focus on David and Bathsheba. And David and Bathsheba and their relationship. And we're talking about temptations and how temptations affect us in our lives. And how are we to handle those temptations and what are we to do with those temptations when we face them. And we've come to learn that a temptation is anything, anything, any person, any place, or as my brother say, any napkin that influences any human male or female that is created by God in his very own image and likeness to disobey or doubt him. Anything, any person. And then my, like I said, I was sharing this with my brother. My brother said, you know, uh, he said, that napkin could be a temptation. And it is true if you allow that napkin to lead you in something that would cause you to disobey or to doubt God. So temptation comes in all types of ways, any types of forms. So temptation. And we've looking at three temptations from these two passages. Power, the temptation of power, or the temptation of authority, lording it over, or having the power over someone. And then the big one, the temptation of sex. And then the third one, the temptation of life. And just a review here from last time, as we looked at two different passages to try to understand what is authority. And looking at the passage in Matthew chapter 5 and the passage in Luke chapter 7, where that the man brought his servant before the Lord for the Lord to be able to take care. Well, we found that from authority, authority flows down. Authority flows down. It flows down from God through his word unto us. And most times we, we think of authority being high up and exalted. Well, to be honest with you, if you are not under authority, you cannot be in authority. You have to be under somebody's authority to be in authority. And the worst thing in the world is a man left to himself. A man left to himself. Just reading this morning in the Proverbs where a man left to himself, he's more dangerous than seven fools because he has no authority. 
He's under nobody. He answers to nobody. So authority flows down. It flows down from God. And we, in authority, we humbly serve in authority under the mighty hand of God who moves us, who enables us to be able to do what he has caused us to do. And not only that, but the one in authority, they serve in submission with compassion and respect. So it's not just lording it over. You serve with compassion for those who are subservient to you, and you serve with respect to those who are in subservience. And then the big one here is the responsibility of authority. It is responsible for the welfare and for the good of those who are up under us. So it serves to influence for the good of those in whom we are in authority to. So if you're in authority and then those under you are suffering and hurting, that's bad authority. That's what we found from that centurion, when he came before the Lord, he says, my servant is sick. He's hurting. He's about to die. And I need you to care for him because he means something to me. So, to serve in authority. The sovereign Lord of the Bible, he has created the one in authority and he created the one in submission. And he created equal, the one in authority, the one in submission. They are both equal to one another. They are both image bearers of God. We were studying, and we, you might remember when we went through it in Sunday school, we were talking about the Lord's return, and then that one passage where the one servant, he took care of everything, and he fed all of the servants at the proper time. And then you had the wicked servant. What did the wicked servant do? Well, he come to think in his own mind that the the Lord would not come back until some later time. And so he chose to become indignant toward, and the scripture clearly says, his fellow servants. Why fellow servants? Because he was a servant just like they were. The only difference was, was he was the servant that did have some authority and was given authority, but the servants that he was beating on, they were fellow servants equal to him. He was no better than them. He was no different than them. But he didn't see it that way, and he took advantage of them. That's bad leadership. That's bad authority. That's that's power out of control. That's a loose cannon. So if we're fellow servants to one another, then we are responsible for the welfare and for the good of each other. We serve each other for the good and for the welfare and for the benefit of each other. That's a hard lesson for an arrogant person because all they think about is self. All they think about is me, myself, and I. And then now to 
reach out. I know when I first, first got married, all of a sudden I was moving at this rate of speed. Then all of a sudden I had to slow down. Why did I have to slow down? Because I got another person involved in my life now. And then when Charmaine came, I had to slow down even more. Why? Because now there's another person. And then to Sarah and then Charles. And, and I'm studying slowing down. Why? Because there are other people that are involved in my life that can't move at the speed that I'm used to moving at. So I have to slow down and allow them to be a part of life. And me become a part of their life. I can't move singly anymore. Which is what I was used to and what I was good at. So, to come to and understand this thing of power and authority, and I do believe that each of us, in any given situation, in any given situation, each of us has some power and authority in every situation that we find ourselves in. We take the situation with Bathsheba and David. Now, I'll say this about Bathsheba. She could have made another decision about where she bathed at, could she not? Yeah. She could have made another decision. So she had the authority and the ability and the power to make another decision. David, he could have made another decision. He could have been out on the battlefield where it clearly says that most kings are during the time of war. Authority. Maybe just authority over self, but you got authority and you got power to make another decision and to do something different. Because whatever that decision is and how it plays out, it affects someone else. So we most have some ability, some authority, some power in any given situation. So the question becomes, what am I going to do with the power? What am I going to do with the authority? Am I going to be taken up by power or am I going to take up power? Will I be taken by power or will I take up? power? Will I take the power and use the power to serve others? Or will I take the power and use the power to serve Charles? I have the ability and you have the ability to do that in any given situation. So power and authority of any human male or female is the God-given ability to serve, influence, correct, and discipline other human males and females for their good. Whatever decision I make is my decision affecting you for good. Am I thinking for enough ahead? Am I looking for enough ahead? Which clearly tells me I can't do this on my own. I need some help. I need somebody outside of me who knows tomorrow, 
who knows the day after tomorrow that can help me in the decision that I make right now, even though it's a decision for me. You know, my daughters, they have a desire to, to be married. I always tell them, I said, well, you have to understand one thing about marriage. As I understand, you're really marrying for the future. Because, see, Mr. Wonderful, he may not be all of Mr. Wonderful right now. But your emotions are involved, your heart is involved, and hopefully his heart is involved, his emotions are involved with the Lord, and the Lord grows him as he grows you. So he's not today what he will be tomorrow. So you're marrying future. Question came up about, we was watching this movie over the weekend. Question came up about God getting physical. Well, I'm of the opinion, and I see you all know this about me, and I've always told you this. I'm of the opinion, if a guy puts his hands on you in a disrespectful way, he does not recover from that. He does not recover from that. Because he's telling you who he is. And what he's telling you, there's more where that came from. So what you want is somebody who knows the future, who can take you into the future without you being there, but someone who can carry you there and then walk you through it humbly under his guidance and to also protect you in whatever situation you find yourself in. So authority, power, it's not easy. And it doesn't come easy. Neither does submission. Does that come easy either? So the power and authority, it's, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. And it is a God-given privilege to be able to serve others and not self. Now, let's move into the message. Because that was just a review. <laughs> the sovereign God of the Bible has prescribed power and authority, and he has prescribed the structure of power and authority in human relationships and in human life. Power and authority is the experience of human life. It is authorized, it is preordained, and it is structured by the living God. Uh, you can move to the next slide, Lydia. Power and authority that one carries is given by our loving and living God to serve others and to promote their good. I want you to talk to a, talk to a mother. Talk to a good mother. Talk to a good dad. And they will tell you basically their lives have lived to be able to serve that child and to take care of that child because they understand the authority and the power that they have over that child. But now when it comes to you and me, I don't think about doing nothing for you. You don't think about doing nothing for me. Get your own. 
But that's what the power and authority does. It's to serve you. Though we may be equal in age, though we may be equal in society, though we may be equal socially, it still should be able to serve you for your good. And God gives us a power structure in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. He says, I, would have, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. He wants to understand this because other than that and other than him helping me to understand, I'm not going to understand, neither will you understand. Matter of fact, we will fight it. We'll reject it. He says, so I want you to understand that I have a power structure within the universe that's going to benefit you. And in benefiting you, you're going to be able to benefit others if you act and behave within the power structure. And what is the power structure? He says that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. And to see that, he starts with the man. Then Christ over the man. And then the woman under the man and then over it all is himself and God can say that you know why God can say that because see most people will question the authority of God what gives him the right or what gives him the ability or who is that going to tell me that I have to sit up under that person or I have to be under that God or I have to do this well God can do it because of his aseity his aseity simply means that he has the right, he has the ability, and he has the uh, uh, authority to be able to exist in and of himself. He needs no outside help to exist. You and I, we need help to exist. You see, your breath comes from outside of you. It's from God. Your heartbeat comes from outside of you. Now, when you can generate your own breath, when you can generate your own heartbeat, then you can make your own decisions. And you can have your own world. You know, the story is told about the devil telling God that making a man is easy. Well, God said, well, okay, you make a man. So he goes and grabs some dirt where God says, no, you got to get your own dirt. Until you can do that on your own, you can make decisions about your life and not answer to anybody. But as long as we're answering to Christ and as long as Christ is answering to God, we can make no decision about our life nor our bodies because we are under authority. It is documented. He didn't just say it and then for us to wonder about where it come from. No, we can go and read it. It is documented. These are words of Dr. John MacArthur. He says, I think Satan is feverishly involved in upsetting the divine order any way he possibly can. It's clear 
as you study the Bible, that God has a divine order in society related to man and woman. And of course, that is manifest in marriage, it is manifest in the church, it is manifest in every human, excuse me, every dimension of human life. And God's basic pattern is there are two factors in society, authority and submission. And God has designed that men be given the position of authority and women the position of submission. Now, when I, when I looked at that, and then I looked at the date that that was written, which was in 1976, that's, oh, man, John McAvee, he, he, uh, 1976, that's 47 years ago. That's, that can't be. But then God said, well, where did he get it from? Where did he get that from? Well, his word was written. Moses started writing way back. We don't even have a date for when Moses started writing. But it's the same thing. Moses basically said the same thing. And then you move forward to Paul. Then he's getting his from Paul. So in other words, God's word has not changed. That's his divine order. That's his divine order. God, Christ, man, woman. We can argue with that all we want. We can argue with that all we want. But that's not going to change. It's not going to change. Every ordered society is built on those two pillars. Every ordered society is built on those two pillars. What's the order? Somebody's in charge. Somebody is in submission to the one in charge. And that goes right into the home. Somebody's in charge. That doesn't mean they're better. Doesn't mean they're smarter. It doesn't. What it means is they've been given the authority by God. That's what it means. And that's all it means. Paul mentions three great relationships involving authority and subjection, which is what we just read. But this particular author, he says, he said, the head of every man is Christ. Christ is Lord and man is subject to him. And then the head of woman is man and the place of headship or authority is given to the man. And the woman is under his authority. And man, to sit here and say that to you, I'm trembling because I know the objection to that. I hear it all day, every day. And I know the last time that I said something like that to you, you may not remember, but I actually sit right here. I sit. And the reason I sit is because of my own fear. And the Lord greatly convicted me of that. The Lord said, when you say my word, you don't have to sit down. You can stand up and say what I say. So I ask you, forgive me for my own fear, because that's what it was. It was pure fear. I don't, I don't want you mad at me. 
But I'll tell you this. I'd rather you be mad at me than God be mad at me. So when we look and we hear the scripture and we get one clear picture. Next slide, please. And this picture is very clear from the scriptures. God's design in human relationships is male authority and female submission. As fellow image bearers of God, both God-given male and the female, we serve each other equally under his sovereign authority. Paul makes that a little bit clear for us as we move to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20. And I'll tell you something. He says this before he goes into the marriage details. This he says first. So everything that comes after this is built out of this. So he says, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and to be subject one to another in the fear of Christ. So now when he's telling the woman to be in submission to the man, he's telling her that in response to the man also realizing that she's equal to him. So when he tells the man to love his wife as he loved the church, he's telling the, 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 the man to also realize that the woman is equal to him. Not better than, not smarter than, equal to persons. One male, one female. Two totally independent, separate persons. After that statement of subjection to one another in the fear of the Lord, Paul goes on to detail the female position of submission in the confines of marriage. And that's where it is, is in the confines of marriage. He says in verse 22, wives, submit yourself to your own. That, that limits. That limits who she is to submit herself to in everything. One man. One. And if you ain't that man, she ain't got to submit to you. But that's not the way the world operates. In this male-dominated society that we live in, we just put women in a, as a group in a subservient position. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, whenever the church usurps Christ, then the woman can usurp the man. Let's look at power and authority and the role of power and authority. In creation, God created the male and the female equal in his own image and likeness. They are equal in value and worth as human beings. In Genesis 1.27, this is what it says. It says, God created man in his own image and in the image of God, 
he created him. And then it says male and female, he created them. Why are you trying to confuse me? I, I, I know that we are taught, well, some teach, we don't teach it here, but some teach that there are two creations between Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. But what you have is one creation in two chapters that is covered in two chapters. So when you get to Genesis chapter 2 and you read in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, which is what this verse, I believe, is alluding to, in Genesis 2, 7, where it says, And God formed a man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Well, what God did also when man, when he created man, was he placed the woman inside of the man whom he created. So there she is. That's what I believe this verse is, 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 is uh, alluding to in verse 27 of chapter 1. The male and the female, they are equal persons and yet different in gender. And, and, and there are only two genders. There are only two. And, and, and then now, you know, we've gotten so smart now to, to throw a bomb in on that, we start talking about sexual orientations. And, and let me say to you, let me ask you to do this. Turn, turn to Isaiah chapter 45. And I, and I want to say to you who have that persuasion of the LGBTQ, and T and the other ones. I, I understand what you're wanting to do there. But let me tell you what you are doing in effect. You are so showing what John says to us, which is that men love darkness. So what you are doing, you're just putting different labels on your darkness. Because that's all you're doing. Because there are only two genders, and that's male and female. And so what we say to you, it is not as you have come to believe that we hate you, because we don't. We have no reason to hate you. Matter of fact, some of us come out of the same thinking that you're still in. And the only thing that we're trying to get you to do is come to the truth that you are going to one day admit you're going to admit it one day. That's what I want you to see in Isaiah 45. And go to verse 22, where the Lord says, he says, look to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. There's no challenge to him. He says, if there is another God, he says, I don't know him. And if he doesn't know him, then there's no other God. But here's the next point here in verse 23. He says, I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth, 
and in righteousness and shall not return void. Listen at these words here. That to me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that oath. What he's saying to you, you can either accept it now, willingly, or you will bow to it begrudgingly. But you will come to understand that there are but two genders. There are but two. You can take it now, willingly. Or you can later bow to it begrudgingly. And it might be too late then. It might be too late. I don't know the, the timeline, but it might be too late for you then. Because you could be in hell because you rejected him. Come to him now. Because all he tells you is the truth. And when he tells you there are two genders, he told you the truth. You can cloak it in any word you choose to. You can cloak it in any letter you choose to. There are only two genders. And those two genders, they are male and female, and they are equal as persons and gender. No female, girl, or woman is inferior to any male boy in terms of essence, personhood, and humanness. A female is not subservient to a male in personhood or anything other than her role. Her role puts her in a different position. Within the universe, human males and females are two assigned roles, the role of authority and the role of submission. And we need the Lord to carry out either one of those roles. You see, the role of authority, that's not an easy role to play because you have other human beings that are involved and that must answer to your authority. I remember when I moved from the parts room on one of my jobs, I was a parts uh, manager and I used to order parts and stuff for the vehicles that needed to go on the truck that the mechanic, they would go out, they would make the repairs and then if they needed a part, they would come back and they would leave it on the desk and then I would come in the next morning, and I would order those parts, and then they would put it on the vehicle for the next day, and the truck would go ahead and move. And then I moved from that, and I moved into safety. And I became the safety manager of the city of Atlanta, and all of a sudden I got 127 drivers under me at any one point in time. And after a point in time, somebody asked me, he said, which did you like better, a safety manager or a parts manager? I said, parts manager. They said, why? I said, because parts don't talk back. Parts either work or they don't. Drivers, they give you any myriad of excuses of why they did something. So the role of authority, it's not easy. We need God to, to be an authority. We need God to help us to mete out what's good and what's bad for another person. We need God to help us with that. And submission, that's not easy either. We need God to help us to submit to another person. Because in my heart and mind, I'm thinking that he's thinking or that she's thinking she's better than me. 
And she may have, or he may have, have never said nothing in concern to that. But the devil works in my mind. So we need God in either role. We need him, whether in marriage, employment, civic groups, church groups, and or sports groups. Your role of authority and submission in any given situation must be surrendered to God for success. In the role of wife, it must be surrendered to God. In the role of husband, it must be surrendered to God. In the role of parts manager, that has to be surrendered to God. No matter what the role is, we need to surrender. We have to surrender to God for it to work. Because he knows right now and tomorrow. The success of each role lies in submission to the authority of the sovereign triune God of the Bible. I've already given some personal examples, but I'm going to give another one here that I had in mind, especially as far as the protection of being in submission. There's protection in being submitted to someone. That's protection in being submitted to God. I think we all would agree to that. But the Lord showed me this in a very specific way, and this was actually before I became parts manager. I was a PM mechanic. PM means preventive maintenance. And what I would do is I would be down in the pit. Some of you have gone into these quick uh, oil change places, and you drive in, you drive over that little pot there, and then down in the little hole there, that the guy, he sits up under the car, and he changes the oil and all this. So this is what I was. That was my place of, that was my office down in that pit. So I'd be in that pit, and I was working, and one day the district service manager came. And he walking down under the pit, and he's looking around and around. He walked up to me, and those slack adjusters, we had already got an, 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 an order saying, I don't remember exactly what it was, but there was something about those slack adjusters which had something to do with the brakes that we were not to be able to do whatever it was I was doing. But now please understand, I was doing it because my manager told me we're not going to do what the orders say. I want you to do this for our trucks. So I said to him, I'm doing what the district manager told me. He didn't say nothing else to me. He walked out, walked up, and went into the office, and where I was, I could see back to the office. The next thing I know, the district manager come flying out of there, throwing his coat over his shoulder, throwing his bags over his shoulder. That was the last I seen of him. Why did he say something to me? I was under authority. I was under authority. Now, I remind you, I'm a very rebellious person. So that one time, authority worked out for me. Protection in submission. Being in submission. So to be in submission to someone, they're the ones with the responsibility. And if we're doing something that we're being instructed to do, properly instructed to do, now I'm not talking about somebody talking about doing something illegal and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about properly doing what we're being told to do. God protects us. 
He protects us. And then this other one here is the difficulty of submission. I'm going to let the missionary herself tell you that, as she struggled with it. And that's what I was saying. I wanted to try to use this for, and I'm hoping it will come out, because she had her own struggle with submission. She'd been on the mission field, and then here comes Charles. I'll let her tell you. you got another person that's sitting over you that you think you're just as good as he is if not better you think you know more than she does if not more and what do we call our pet name for supervisors stupid advisors but we are in submission to them and if we don't learn that role if we don't learn that role and play that role in a way that God would have us to play it. It's just chaos. 
And then for us is sin. Because he called us to that role. So both the role of authority and the role of submission, they are God ordained. He allows for both of them. You see it even in the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son. Jesus Christ says, he says, I and the Father, we are one. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. Yet that same Jesus who spoke those words, he also said in John chapter 4, verse 34, he says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. He's under authority, but yet he's equal to the Father. For I do his will, who sent me and to accomplish his work. 829, and I love this verse here. He says, he, he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always, I always, I always do that which pleases him. Man, I couldn't even say that to my mom. And neither could any of you. But he says, I always do that which pleases him. Why? Because I'm in submission to him. I'm under his authority. And so now understanding that, that the role of power and authority, that they are God-ordained, then we need to understand this, that the power and authority, it comes with responsibility. It comes with responsibility. The privilege of authority, the privilege of the role of authority, the privilege of power, rights, and freedom, it comes with responsibility. That the verse we just read, listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, he who sent me is where? He may have sent me, but he's also with me. He's responsible for me. He goes on to say, he has not left me alone. He's with me. God takes responsibility for his creation. Look at Job in his life. In the life of Job, we go to chapter 1 of Job in verse 8. And the Lord said to Satan, have you, Satan, considered my servant Job? Now notice, that wasn't Job, uh, that wasn't Satan, uh, uh, that was not Satan's idea for Job. That wasn't Job, Job didn't even volunteer for it. God said to Satan, have you, Satan, considered my servant Job? What, what has God put on our plate that he's wanting us to be able to trust him for? In the midst of hell's fire. I shared with the Sunday school class this morning, uh, this week, as my daughters and I spent some time together. Uh, one of them, Sarah, they mentioned and, and again, this is, with, this is public knowledge. We all know of what went on with, with their mother and then uh, Sister Baker when she had her, her uh, bout with cancer. And her daughters were older, much older, had years and time with her. And then my baby girl, she said, but Dad, I just don't understand why God would do that. She said, you, you, she said just, just, just look at it equally, Daddy. Just set it on the plate. 
Here we are. Charmaine was eight when Trisha left. And then you have her daughters who are all teenagers. And she said, who would need their mother the most? Baby girl, I, I, I can't answer that. But you get the point that she's trying to make. But God made a decision. Now, why did he make a decision to the demons back around? I don't know. Why did he make a decision to take Trisha home? I don't know. All I know is he wants you to trust him in that. And so here's Satan. He says, Job only serves you for what you can do for him. <laughs> and the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. And then the Lord says, only. You know what only does? Only is responsibility. Only is restrictions. He says, only do not lay a hand on his person. And then, and only then, could Satan attack Job's family. Because he couldn't touch Job. You know why he couldn't touch Job? Because of what I said, only do not touch Job. So he went out for his family. God takes responsibility for life. He takes responsibility for your life, for my life. Job chapter 2 verse 3. We need to move on and try to close here. He who holds fast to his integrity, that is Job, he still holds fast his integrity, says God, to Satan. And he, sees, he speaks those words to Job, these words right here. He says, you incited me against him. But Job is the one who attacked. Uh, Satan is the one who attacked Job. But what God says, God said, no. He gives Satan no credit. He said, you moved me against Job. God takes responsibility for our lives. He takes responsibility for whatever goes on in our lives. And that's what I eventually end up sharing with my daughter. Is that God got you, and he takes responsibility for what has happened in your life. He takes responsibility for what has happened in our lives. If you would just, just lean your heart to him, you just lean your heart to him, I shared a passage with a brother this morning that the Lord had just so blessed my heart with in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 26. The words of the Proverbs says, My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. And all God is saying to me in that verse is that Charles, Sarah, Charmaine, Charles, give me your heart. And watch me work. That's all God wants from us in whatever role we're called to. Whatever role we're called to. And we're going to end it here. And we're going to trust the Lord when we come back to be able to finish this up. I learned from Dr. Warren Wisby. Warren Wisby, he said early in his preaching, he said that he used to title his messages by number. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. He just had numbers. 
He said he, whatever number he finished on, they'd always have to call him back to get to the next number. So here we are here. We end here, and we'll trust the Lord to move forward from here because the Lord is teaching me. I hope, I trust that he's teaching you. As arrogant as I can be, I realize that I'm under authority, and I realize that I'm in submission, but I also realize that there are times that I'm in authority and that there are times I'm responsible, and it's at those times that I take responsibility and consider others. But there are also times in submission that I also have to consider others and also consider the one in authority. We have a God who loves us. Irregardless to what's going on out there in the world, he's calling us to be an attraction to the world. And I would trust that we are not back backpedaling to the world. I, it, it just grieves my heart. It, it, when I hear people take these stands and say they're biblical stands, and then all of a sudden when the world gets to shouting, they start to backpedaling. We can stand on God's word because he will back his word up. Father, we bow our hearts to you. I bow my heart to you. I thank you that you are God and there's none like you. In Jesus' name. Amen.